Hi, everybody, and welcome to We Gotta Talk. Okay, so I wear a lot of hats. I'm sure you do too. Here's a few of mine. Journalist, podcast host, reluctant, but getting there, dog owner, wife, believer in UFOs or UPAs or whatever we're calling them lately, voracious dairy and gluten consumer, no matter their bad press, thank you very much, sister, daughter, recently baptized morning person. But of all of these roles that I have, whether they're temporary or permanent, there is one that has wildly changed my view of myself and the world. Mom. I know, I know. Let the eye rolling begin. Time after time, we hear these trite sayings. Motherhood changed me, or I never knew love or fill in the blank until I had kids. It's all true. It's all trite, maybe a little annoying, but it's all true. But there's one issue that's been unexpectedly complicated by motherhood, at least for me. It's something I never really thought would intersect with this thankless, but somehow rewarding role. And that's body image. Now, I have a son and two daughters, so I'm speaking to parents of both when I say this shit is hard. And by this shit, I mean raising kids with a sense of confidence, where I don't want the world telling them how they should feel about how they look, and certainly not outright how they should look. I want a world for them where body image isn't a thing, where it's just a thing. Not something they have to grapple with, not a size or a mold they have to literally or figuratively squeeze themselves into, but rather a sense of being in their bodies. That's just that. Not necessarily body positivity, though that's fine too, I guess, but maybe just body neutrality, a body that's healthy, and that's it. One that's not measured against the standards of what the world tells it and them to be. And it's that deep desire I have that makes me so excited to welcome this week's guest. Katie Bromlett is the founder of WeShape. Now I know, you hear that name and you think, oh my gosh, someone else telling me how I should look or work out. But the conversation that she and her company are creating is different. It's about loving yourself better. Not breaking your diet down into macros, but rather breaking that toxic bond that so many of us have with the fitness and health industry helping us learn how to live well. Katie and her fellow hosts on the We Shape podcast dive into things like intuitive eating, shifting your mindset to achieve better health, and even the privilege of aging. Imagine that. So in this episode, we're talking about how she broke up with toxic weight loss culture and a health-obsessed mindset, and how she's helping others to do the same. So for us, for our kids, for everyone, enjoy. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of We Gotta Talk. I'm so excited to welcome this week's guest. So um, Katie, hang tight. We're on video here if you guys are watching, but I want to just kind of dig back into our feed. The past couple of weeks, we've dedicated a lot of time and space and airwaves to the topic of weight loss by medication, which I know people have different opinions on that. And certainly your doctor will advise you best, but there is an intense curiosity out there about these new quote unquote wonder drugs that are hitting the market. And you guys were really interested in that. And I love that. And I love being able to give good information on things that are happening in the real world. People are using these medications. It was great to have experts on there, but we're kind of flipping the topic of um, health and body image on its head in a really interesting way this week with this week's guest. And she's going to help us look beyond the binary of, okay, do you look good or not look good? There's so much more to our health than that. And this week's guest is here to sort of 
take us down that journey. Her name is Katie Bromlett. She's the founder of WeShape, which is an online fitness community, helping people connect with their own best health plans. She is a fierce advocate of really evolving the health and fitness fitness industry as we know it. On her WeShape podcast, she and her co-hosts dig into a variety of topics from physical and mental health, intuitive eating, ignoring toxic social media cues. And I'm so honored that she's uh, spending some time with me on the podcast today. Katie, thank you so much for being here on We Gotta Talk. Thank you so much for having me. There, This is a big topic, right? You're, you're in the world of body image and health and weight consciousness. And, and as I just said, there is an intense interest, natural interest, right? And in looking and feeling our best. But what I'm honing in on on your messaging and tell me if I'm correct is there's a way to do it and there's a way to overdo it. And I feel like that's where you guys sort of step in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if it's okay, I want to give a little bit of history and context into the company that I used to run because it's the reason why I started WeShape. Uh, so my co-founder and I used to run a digital fitness company that sold diets, cookbooks, um, you know, exercise products to get six pack abs. We were really a body transformation company and we did help thousands of people transform their bodies, lose the weight they wanted to lose. And, um, there was sort of a common theme that happened after those body transformations, which was nobody was as happy as they thought they would be. And so I started getting really curious because at the time I was like, I'm helping people and our business is growing and we're scaling and we've made the Inc. 500 three years in a row. Things are good. But on the inside, I just felt like something wasn't right and I couldn't put my finger on it, but I just stayed curious with it. So as time passed on, my co-founder and I got together and I said, I feel like we have to go a different direction on the psychological, emotional side. I don't want to prescribe diets anymore. I don't really want to focus on the scale. He said, I also agree. I want to focus on the physical side. I don't think that people doing ballistic movements and, and crazy workouts is really good for their physical well-being in the long run. So we kind of left that and said, we're going to go down a different path. And once I just went down that path, it was like I couldn't unsee some of the toxic nature that came with being in the fitness industry. I couldn't unsee it. And so mm-hmm. we just, we went, we went a different direction. Do you feel like you were part of the problem back then? The problem 100. now that you target. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I was a hundred percent a part of the problem and I didn't know it. And so I try to give myself grace as I look back mm-hmm. because I'm I, there's a lot of cringeworthy, like, oh no, like we were totally selling fat loss and weight loss and like, what we really should be focusing on, in my opinion, in the fitness industry is how do we focus on someone's physical well-being and how Mm -hmm. do we cultivate, help people cultivate self-worth so that they intrinsically want to take care of their bodies, not Mm -hmm. so that they're, we're extrinsically dangling a carrot so that we get them to do their workout. Like, taking care of yourself from a place of self-worth is very different than taking care of yourself from a place of, well, my Instagram photo will look good or society tells me this number should be this on the scale. Like it's a very different intention. It's a very different mindset. It is. It is so hard though, Katie, as you know, having been part of this pattern before to ignore social media in particular. And I like, it's, it's funny to watch influencers, people not even technically in the fitness space who are sharing their workout regimens and what worked for me. And this is what I do. And I count my macros this way. And even as someone who's not 
overly, I'm health conscious and healthy, certainly, but I can see how it turns very quickly into a vortex of self-loathing and, and, you know, over planning and obsession to detail. And, and it's a real fine line because a lot of that is normalized on social media, right? Oh, I'm just following the XYZ program. Like, aren't you? Or like these, you know, and and it is a natural human instinct to sort of want to look a certain way or to want to feel our best. Um, How do you give people advice on when they've hit that sweet spot mentally, where they are caring for their body rather than aiming to look a certain way? Well, I think we have to acknowledge that historically people who identify as female have very much cultivated their worth from how they look. I mean, like if you think about it, women used to not even be able to decide who they would marry. And the way that part of that, most of that decision was made was, oh, we want you to marry into this particular family and the prettiest sister will be the one who's chosen, right? I mean, this is like how we used to sort like exist as females in our culture. And so Mm -hmm. there is heavy historic roots to that. And we are in no way, shape or form have we unwinded that. We are, we, mm-hmm. a lot of women really cultivate their worth from how they look. So I think it's about first just acknowledging that that exists and taking it one step at a time. I, I don't know that we ever will full, I mean, we're trying to uncover many, 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 many years of this. I don't know that it can be resolved overnight. And so I've, I had to do my own work around this. Like, okay, so mm-hmm. we're not going to be doing things with the intention of looking better. So what does that mean? Do I not? put moisturizer on my face anymore? Do I not put mascara? Like how far do we take it? And and I think what we need to, to say about that is it depends, right? Everyone's on a different journey. So one of mm-hmm. the things that we're offering people in the We Shape community is just radical acceptance for wherever they are. We're trying to get people mm-hmm. to cultivate radical self-acceptance. So the only way we can do that is to offer them radical acceptance. So um, I, I mean, I will speak to the idea of being like, overly health conscious and watching every single thing. I was very much obsessed with that three years ago. And I didn't even know that I was consuming so much of my life with that until I got out of it. And the amount of freedom and energetic liberation I have from not having to give my energy to what I ate every single second of the day is the most freeing thing ever. So I think a lot of times I like to ask people when they come in, I don't really like to tell people what to do. I like to ask them why they're doing what they're doing and how it's working for them, like really deeply mm-hmm. how it's working for them. And I used to ask myself that, well, I mean, how is it working for you? Well, I'm, I'm eating well and I feel good. And I'm like, no, how is it really working? And when mm-hmm. I just sat with that for, uh, you know, some time, the real answers came up, which is like, this is exhausting. Um, I, am I doing this for me or because society told me that this is the checkbox that you get a bunch of validation for? Like, why am I doing this? And when I got to the deeper root, I was like, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's mm-hmm. more about asking why we're doing it. And then I think asking, is it actually deep down inside serving the person that I want to be? Yeah, it's so what you just said, the theme of who am I, what am I serving? Yes, who am I serving too? It's kind of an appropriate slip of the tongue. But um it, it's at the root of so much of what we what we deal with as women, whether it's how we eat or how we work out, or whether or not we choose to alter our physical appearance and whether or not we choose to dress in a certain way that society deems acceptable. I mean, it is exhausting 
to be a woman. And I feel like until you've existed in that space where, yes, we have the freedom and it's wonderful to make these choices, to alter our appearance through workouts, or we have the ability, for example, to take these medications that help us lose weight. You really have to be diligent with your, uh, with your own mental self-care because if you're not doing it for the reasons that make you truly happy or content or those lines get blurred, it is a quick tumble down like the patriarchy hill or down like, you know, the, the obsessiveness hill. I mean, and I'm raising a son and two daughters and God, I, every day I'm like, you know, if they see me wear makeup, are they going to think that like they need to wear makeup to walk out of the house? Or if they see me like not try, do they think that like, it's not important to really put on your best face? Cause it is sometimes I'm just, it's, it is just, it is a web. It is a web of complication. It is. It is. So what works for you? And you're a mom too. I have two daughters. Yeah. Okay. So So talk about it through that lens too. I mean, well, first of all, my oldest daughter, it doesn't literally matter what I do. She is in this world. Like she is, (laughs) she is that person. So I feel so much gratitude that I am her mom because she's just on her own path. And all my only job for her is to go, cool, nice choice. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I love it. But I mean, I feel like through the lens of raising two daughters, part of the reason I ended up kind of having to really evaluate my even relationship with this kind of healthy eating, quote unquote, um, was because my older daughter, she had a lot of health stuff going on and we were being restrictive with some of the foods she was eating because we noticed like, oh, when you eat this or when you eat that and after a while, I was like, I am so concerned that this is creating disordered eating. And so we eventually just sat down and had a talk with her and said, like, we don't really believe that the way that we've been creating a relationship with food as parents Mm -hmm. for you is the right way to go. And so we're really sorry that we went down that path. And we want to just give you a little bit more freedom and help you create what you feel is best for your body. So we have conversations because food really impacts her, but there's no more like you can't have gluten or we should, you know, there's no more good or bad food is not, you are not a good or bad person. If you had a salad or a piece of pizza for lunch, like there's the morality and food thing is like, that doesn't, that's not a real thing. You're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're, who you are as a person is not defined by the food you eat. So we started going down a different path and just having different conversations about, her own body autonomy and her own relationship with food and checking in with herself and giving her that freedom. I think as parents, it's a slippery slope because we're given permission to have a lot of control, but that Mm -hmm. control doesn't always serve the best interest of the human being that you're raising. So it's that fine balance, fine line of what, what am I leading by example? Where am I setting the boundary? Where am I letting them figure those things out on their own? And it's complicated. It is complicated. And I I certainly believe that there are food sensitivities or health complications that arise for some people with certain foods. I think it's overblown overall. This whole glute, I'm gluten. Okay. Okay. Jane, you're gluten sensitive. Like, so your kid can't have like, I don't know, like a, like a slice of bread. It's, it is, I see that impulse sometimes to even put our own health issues onto our kids. And it, it makes me nervous and cringe. And I think that everybody wants something these days. Everybody wants in this strange world we live in a diagnosis of some sort or a a complication that they can sort of lead with when it comes to explaining why they behave how they behave. The fact is we're all very complicated and we all have personal, mental, and physical obstacles. But I I do see that sometimes in parenting and it it makes me nervous. I'm not saying I'm a great parent. All right. I'm saying I'm a good parent, but the, the blend of our food issues 
going into our kids is just, it, it worries me. You know, they're watching every move we make. And I, I just really had to cover that perspective with you because so much of how we treat our bodies and how we treat our mental health impacts our kids. So you really can't have the conversation without addressing how you behave in front of them. Yeah, it's, 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 it's taught, you know, my dad has always taught me if more is caught than taught, like what you're doing is, 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 is what they're going to be doing. So, um, the other thing I've learned as a parent is it's okay to make mistakes. And so much of what really matters is not the mistake, but the repair. So Mm -hmm. how are you going to have that conversation? Like, how are you going to model making a mistake and doing the repair and just taking ownership and apologizing and going down a new path? I think Mm -hmm. so many parents get resistant over that step. And I actually argue that's the most important step. It's not about getting it perfect, but when you don't, like when you, when you are off course to like really model what that repair looks like. And I go to my children Mm -hmm. all the time and say, Oh, I made a mistake. Oh, you were right. Mom was wrong. Um, thank you for thank you for having that conversation with me. And I think that that really can be a really powerful message. Also, it's not about getting it perfect, but mm-hmm. what you do when you make that mistake, I think, really can can show a lot. I love that. Okay, let's talk specifically about WeShape. We kind of touched on it in the beginning of the interview. I want to know what you guys are doing that revolutionizes how I would work out or how I would approach my health plan. Yeah. So we, the WeShape community is like a two part pillar system. So we have the the exercises, the movement part, and then we have the psychological and social emotional part. So on the movement part, WeShape is really trying to address this, um, this problem in the fitness industry where everyone is just focused on how many reps did you get and how many miles did you run and how many calories did you burn? And like, did you push through your body saying no? Like, did you like no pain, no gain? We're really trying to turn that on its head and expose the the long-term problems and challenges that come with that mentality. And most programs operate from that space, get the quote unquote best workout possible, or it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do is, is think about movement versus exercise. And I like to give the analogy of like pretending that you're fast forwarding your life and you're 80, 85 years old. And mm-hmm. if you got to look back and choose a path, which path would you choose? Would you choose path A that's rooted in how many calories can you burn? How intense can your workout be? How many days a week can you work out? Or would you look back and hopefully choose path B, which is still a great workout, but it has fundamental principles of movement, quality, flexibility, coordination, balance, and strength. It's like, those are the things that we need to focus on if we're talking about a long-term sustainable program. And it's really, truly, I've had a number of physical therapists on our podcast. This is not a matter of if people are going to have an injury or pain in their body. It's a matter of when. Mm. And so I, I have a lot of people in our community who are over 65 who go, I wish I would have been doing this program for 30 years because I probably mm. would not be where I am today had I been focusing on the calorie burning. Yeah. Oh, I hate calorie burning. And, and no, we're, we're hearing all this science now that it really isn't necessarily as simple as calories in, calorie out, calories out. It's the, you know, it's your hormone levels, your thyroid levels, like the chemicals in your brain. Like it, it, what I, what I like, what I'm hearing about what you're saying is that it sort of takes like a holistic approach to you are a human, you are not a number of calories in calories out, which doesn't seem to be serving many people. 
Yeah. So we have, we also are really trying to reset the standard in the fitness industry. So you could go to a personal trainer. I could go to a personal trainer and we could have vastly different experiences because there's no standard. Like your personal trainer could have a PhD in movement and my Mm -hmm. personal trainer could have a weekend eight hour course, right? We, Mm -hmm. there's no standard in the fitness industry for what we consider high quality. So all of our, all of our exercises are movement based. I have like a physical therapist who has approved our program. In addition to that, all of our um, exercises are just body weight movement, just learning Mm -hmm. how to move properly in your body. And they're real, we offer real time scalability. So everyone will do the same workout, we'll have the same daily workout, but you might be doing a, you know, a different variation of a push up or a squat than I would like you maybe you Mm -hmm. have a shoulder injury, maybe I have a knee injury. So all of the movements are extremely customizable. So it's kind of like we created a new standard in the fitness industry and then paired it with customization so that people could have like a really skilled, um, really skilled personal trainer in their living room. Mm -hmm. So what do you think then, having all of the professional input that you have, the different types of um, trainers or people, physical therapists that you work with to craft these workouts, when you scroll Instagram or you see the um, fitness influencer culture really booming, what is your thought on that? Well, it's going to have to be from a couple years ago when I used to subscribe to all that. I've unsubscribed to all those people now. (laughs) Well, good for Um, you and your mental health. Yeah, I've really curated my social media experience to 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 cause me more pleasure than pain. So, um, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. We're all on our own journey and wherever people are is where they are. And so mm-hmm. all I can do is really control how I react to that and what I choose to participate in. So to be honest with you, every day I kind of wake up in the morning and ask the universe, like, bring me people who are ready for WeShape. I really don't have the energetic capacity to connect convince people that this is the way to go. Once mm-hmm. people are sort of fed up with doc- toxic diet culture or they're fed up with like, you know, having to push through all this stuff or they're in pain, they come to us and they go, oh, thank God. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's hard for me to really comment too much on that because I don't really follow a lot of those fitness influencers anymore. All I can say is going back to those two questions, why are you doing it? And is it actually, work deep down, is it actually working for you? And if you come to oh, I'm doing this for something outside of me and no, it's not working for me, then we shape is here for you. And if you're on that path and you find it's working for you, then no judgment for that either. Okay, I love that. What do you think of the body positivity movement? I remember having interviewed um, some really interesting (laughs) authors and PhDs a while back. Um, The book is called More Than a Body and they have an opinion on body positivity versus body neutrality. Um, But, you know, people sort of vary on their opinions. So what do you think of body positivity? I think it's a phenomenal movement. I think it's, a, I, I don't think it's going in the wrong direction, but I say that with the caveat of not every day is going to be a body positive, positive day. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just looking for that neutral space. So I kind of go between the positive and the neutral. Although I will say, I always feel like there is room for gratitude. So maybe it's the body gratitude movement. I don't know. But like sometimes mm-hmm. when I feel like I really can't fake this positive feeling, then I go, okay your body moves. So there's a million things to be grateful for, you know, like you have such privilege in being able to walk up the stairs and squat down to pick something up. And, and so oftentimes if I'm having a hard time moving in that positive direction, I try to go to gratitude. What is something that your body does for you that you can feel grateful for? So I think it's a great movement. Um, I also think that, you know, you have to take what works for you and maybe, 
you know, use it to how it can benefit you and then maybe try something else. It's, I don't really believe in black and white thinking. I think that life is gray and um, things are complicated and it's okay to say, I love what they say about that. I'm going to take this piece. Ooh, that piece doesn't work for me. That's okay. I'm going to take this piece from this movement. So kind Mm -hmm. of self curating your experience. I think people need to have more permission to do that. How do you know, how does someone out there know if they're ready to change the way that they approach their health and exercise program? What will they feel? Fed up with diets, Mm -hmm. fed up with trying to impress people, fed up with feeling like crap about yourself, um, fed up with obsession, obsessing about food or the scale, like the amount of time, like actual literal time that I have in my life now, because I don't obsess about those things. Oh, I would never go back. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I could never, like I have so much more time to do things that I actually want to do, like hang out with my friends or, you know, go on hikes or travel or my, my, uh, my thoughts are no longer obsessed and consumed with quote unquote being healthy or eating a certain way. And I think you have to feel that feeling. You can't just believe it. You have to actually go through the the trial and error of experiencing it and embodying like, oh my gosh, like what an incredible path that I, I don't have to subscribe to that channel anymore. Hearing a lot of discussion on that, on speaking of social media, a force for good and a force for evil sometimes, but um, all these influencers whose content was really focused on, okay, guys, what I eat in a day, which always makes me a little nervous or how I work out or how I lost the final five pounds. I'm like seeing a shift in their sort of dialogue and messaging now too, where it's like, I spent so much time counting calories or counting how many minutes a day I was working out. And now I'm sort of living more in that zone, like you said, of of comfort and intuition, which I find to be encouraging. It could just be what's happening in my little small corner of who I've been following, but I find it encouraging in a big way. And I think we have to point out like what a privilege to be able to like, that's what we're worried about today is what food I'm putting on Instagram. I mean, like, (laughs) wow. And so like, wait, there's bigger problems out there, Katie? (laughs) I saw this really funny video on TikTok the other day of this woman. She was like giving a, you know, a statistic on how much of like a certain part of the country was going to be like burnt by wildfires over the next two decades. And she's like, but I'm really concerned with what color I'm choosing for my manicure. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like so where we are sometimes. And it's like, I just want to slap myself when I get in that space because I'm like, back up. Like try, try to relate to other people's experiences and recognize that like, if you have that problem, that is a, that is a huge privilege and we should really be checking that at the door a little bit. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like working in news for so long, like really damaged me, but also really gave me the permanent perspective check, which is I'm alive. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? I may be obsessing over something that feels really big in the moment, but people need that like reality check sometimes. And either if you tend to be an anxious person, it actually can work in your favor. <laughs> Cause you're like, yeah. what oh, actually, it actually could be worse. I'm standing and I'm breathing and my kids are healthy and fine. And, and sometimes that's it. I remember having moments of feeling so down in life where the only thing I could come up with was like, I can walk, I can stand and I can breathe. And sometimes that's all you can focus on is the very, very basic needs that are being met. And, and when you find that gratefulness for that, everything else becomes amplified. Your joy over the other more trivial things becomes amplified too. But you do have to start there. I agree with you. Gratitude is a very, very powerful tool. And if people left with one message from this episode today, it would be what, what could 
we all do to cultivate more of that gratitude because it, it really is the medicine for a lot of the things that we're talking about. And um, it's really tremendously helps me in my day-to-day life when I'm just feeling so stuck. It's like, okay, I'm stuck in, in this, but I could be stuck on this cycle over here of looking for all the incredible things in my life. So yeah, powerful tool for sure. Yeah, I love that. I want to talk about intuitive eating, Katie, as well. This is another term that's really sort of swept the, the the pop culture consciousness. I've interviewed people on this specific topic before, and I want to nail down what your definition of intuitive eating is and also your thoughts on it as sort of an effective um, health maintenance tool. Yeah, I mean, I've explored this myself. I mean, I feel like as human beings, especially in today's culture, we love labels and that's fine. Um, But I think just depending on what works for you. uh, So I guess someone, if they had to label the way that I eat, that is probably the label I would be placed with. I think it it is a powerful tool for learning how to connect with yourself. So much Mm -hmm. of who, who and how we operate in the world is based on what other people think we should be doing. So Mm -hmm. learning how to have a different relationship with your food and connecting with your food outside of what people tell you you should eat is a great practice. It comes with a lot of trial and error, right? So I used to be very conscious of everything that went in my body. Then I went on the intuitive eating train and then I went way the other way and was like, oh, Mm -hmm. let's do this. And then I kind of felt pretty bad. (laughs) Turns out, you know, eating cookies all day doesn't actually, it it didn't get, my body didn't respond well to that. Um, doesn't mean I don't eat cookies now, but my point is that it it does take some time to calibrate. If you're used to doing things because people told you to do that your whole life, whether it be your, what career you chose, what, what path you went, what food you eat. Like if you're, if you're doing that, it's, it's a pattern that has to be broken. And how we are in one area of our life is usually how we are in many areas of our our life. Mm -hmm. So just that idea of like, I'm going to reconnect with myself and figure out what do I actually need? And, and, and be okay with making mistakes. I think that's a big thing. Like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, like just checking in with yourself and actually seeing how do I feel when Mm -hmm. I eat that? How did I feel after I ate that? What do I need right now? These are questions that I asked myself that I never had asked myself before. That's interesting. And I remember interviewing someone, um, I think they were in the nutrition space. They, they they had a, a program that helps people, you know, kind of find the the plan that works for them when it comes to what nutrients they need and what types of whatever they food groups they needed most. And she said something that I didn't really expect, which was like intuitive eating doesn't uh, practically work for a lot of, for a group of people too, because they're, you know, maybe they're diabetic or they're, they're signaling from their body is off in some way. And it, and it really, and it, it never occurred to me that it might not be a good platform. It, it does make a lot of sense. And I, I personally do feel that that's how I've been operating all of my life and it's worked well for me, but hearing her say, oh, that actually isn't necessarily for everyone because our body cues are all so different depending on our personal levels. So that was kind of like an aha moment for me. Yeah. I mean, again, but it's that permission to say, I need to do what's best for me. I think that's Mm -hmm. the most important part. It's not about the label of that. I'm an intuitive eater. It's like, this is how my body works. And regardless of what people tell me, I'm going to go down my own path with my own selected professionals that I feel are best for for me, even if it goes against the trends and the norms of our society. I think really that truly is the best, the best path to go down. It's just doing what you need to do Do regardless of what uh, other people say. Right. Regardless of what the fitness influencers or the diet influencers. Uh, Do you uh, believe in, and I'm using that phrase kind of broadly, but any particular 
eating plan, whether it's a more of a Mediterranean diet or more of a protein rich diet. And by diet, I don't mean that in a restrictive way, but sort of more of an eating plan. Or should we all be open to different variations of what works for us? And I guess the additional question is, how do we figure out if we are that person who maybe needs more protein during the day or who has whose blood sugar um, spikes in a way that, that makes this particular eating plan unhealthy for them? Like, where do we start and what do you believe in? Well, I'm going to speak very um, particularly about this and I'm going to speak from my experience and I'm not going to give any blanket advice here because I that's where I think we go wrong. So for my personal experience, when I started tapping into what I needed, I did notice that um, my body needed a little bit more protein than I was giving it. I also noticed little kind of funny things like when I would overconsume a lot of like what I would consider maybe high energy foods that had a lot of simple carbohydrates, I would get kind of itchy. Like there was like little cues that I was ignoring before mm-hmm. that my body was telling me. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed certain things with my daughter. Like my daughter's a very sensitive human being. And when she has particularly red dye 40, her personality changes. It does. Her personality changes. And so what we do is we have conversations about that. I wonder if there's another choice. Like, could I give you these gummy bears instead of those gummy bears? Like, I noticed that your mood changes, how you feel changes. And I want to just have a deeper conversation about that to see like if there's another choice that you would be able to still enjoy that same food, but without having to deal with that. So Mm -hmm. it's really lit and complicated. And then I think as women, then we have hormones and then it's like, like men do too, but women have very complicated hormones. And so I think the best advice I could give is just to sit with and listen to your body and say, oh man, I was really exhausted after I ate that. Oh man, I felt like I had a lot of energy. Oh, I was kind of itchy. I was kind of this, I was kind of that. Mm-hmm. Like your mm-hmm. body will give you the cues. And I think that it never hurts to work with someone who's aligned with the philosophy that you have to support you and coach you. If you can, if you have you know, the resources to do that. I think that that's also helpful. My only advice for that, though, is making sure that when you give the feedback about your personal experience, they're not giving you blanket, um, you know, oh, well, you should do this. It's like, if you've told them when I eat this, I feel really bad. They need to listen to that. The human body is really complex. And there's a, I truly believe that we don't know more. <laughs> we, 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 we think we know so much, but there's so much more that we don't know. And so mm-hmm. just, having to go just one step at a time and finding the person that can help you figure out what's best for you and actually listen to you, I think is, is the best path to go. That being said, have any particular tests worked for you to get a good idea of your baseline health to kind of pivot accordingly? I mean, I do have a number of practitioners that I work with that do a lot of testing. Um, but I lately, I have, I'm being honest, I've been a little bit skeptical. Ooh, um, tell me more. I just feel like every time I go to search for a test, I'm going to find something wrong. And so I just, I'm kind of getting tired. I actually told my husband a couple days ago, because we do a lot of functional testing for my older daughter. I said, I want to take a break for three months and just see if the stress of not having to do that for a little while will actually create a shift energetically in my body. 
for not only our daughter, but for me too, because it's a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of money. And every time I get a test result, okay, well, now you got to take this supplement, you got to do this thing. So I'm actually taking a three month functional medicine break. And I know that like some people are dealing with chronic illness and they don't have that choice. So I want to recognize those people. Um, but I, I have discovered being in this space and being sort of an advocate of functional medicine that if you go to test for something, you're likely going to find something. So mm-hmm. do you have the energy and the time and the resources to deal with that? And I think it just depends on how bad you're feeling. If you're dealing with a chronic condition, yeah, you probably want to figure out some more things. But I've been lucky enough to not really be dealing with a chronic condition. I deal with little things here and there. And the testing makes it actually worse for me. Oh, I'm taking a break. So maybe if we connect in three months, I'll tell you if my life's better. But I'm I'm in the process of taking a break from that. That's really interesting. And and you've echoed exactly what my husband has said. I am the type of person who not, I don't go looking for problems. That sounds really negative. But I want to know. I want to know what's happening in my body. I want to address what's happening in my mind. And I think for a health anxious person such as myself, I have had to really delineate what is healthy for me to do testing wise and what is not healthy. And mm-hmm. I think that's really good to get out there. Cause sometimes I feel like I get on this platform and I really advocate for the more, you know, the better. And I, I generally think that's true, but it can also really, really tip energetically, like you said, out of your favor. And then you're getting into a vortex and a spiral of, okay, what do I have to find? There's, there's gotta be something wrong next. And my, my eyes look a little yellow today. So let me call the doctor and see if there's a test for like, I don't know, blood. it's just, it can really get out of hand. So I've learned it can that. go both ways. It can be incredibly helpful and life changing. It can mm-hmm. also be overwhelming. And I did have an incredible um, health practitioner on our podcast named Chris Cresser. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's like, mm-hmm. whenever I have like a question about functional health, I usually go to Google and type in my question. And then I type his name after to see what research he's done and what article he's had. And I had the privilege of working with him as a functional um, health practitioner for a little while. And one of the things that we talked about when he was on the podcast is he would watch a number of his patients and clients do, he would do the testing, he would do, the clients would do exactly what he said, and he would still notice the problem. And he started going, I have curiosity if we are becoming energetically attached to this identity and therefore the problem will never go away. So he started doing different things in addition to some of the the protocols. He started making people like write a post-it note of five things that actually brought them joy and sticking that over their house and prescribing, you need to carve out 30 minutes of joy a day. You need to carve out 30 minutes of like mindfulness meditation. Like he started going down that path and having a little bit more success because they were so focused on the health issue or the, Mm -hmm. you know, and not to discredit that those symptoms were not real. That is not to say that this was in people's minds. He was very clear Mm -hmm. about that. These were real things that were happening, but we were missing a piece. So it wasn't like, again, throwing the baby out the bathwater and saying, we don't do testing and we're not going to do any type of functional medicine intervention. But it was like, uh oh, we forgot about this other piece about life around connection Mm -hmm. and presence and joy. So one of the Mm -hmm. things he said on our podcast is everyone should write down like five things that actually bring them joy that are very simple that they can access every day and put it in an accessible place and do that every day and see what happens. Like, and did he, know, he did notice a change. Yes, I agree. And did he notice a change too in, in his patients yes. in their I mean, overall? If your wow. whole thought process all day is on your your health issue or looking for another health issue or treating that health issue, not to say that those mm-hmm. things shouldn't be happening, but if it's all consuming, 
that would make sense as to why that outcome right. would be happening. So I, I, absolutely. I, I try to remind myself about that all the time. It's more than just the science data. There's a mindset and an energetic piece that needs to be addressed as well. Can I ask you what your spiritual perspective is? Are you a religious or spiritual person? And how does that look for you? How does that dovetail into your physical health? Um, I would say it's a huge foundational pillar of my health. I think it starts there. I grew up in a religious environment. I don't really subscribe to that anymore, although I have absolute respect and support for any religious practice that people choose in their life. I have gone more down what I think one would consider more of a spiritual path. And I think that um, that is the foundation of, of, of all of this for me, which is understanding that like, I don't really have control of many, 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 many things in life. And that controls an absolute illusion. And one of the ways that I, you know, exercise that illusion of control, one of the ways I used to was through my health and wellness practices. And the irony of that is it was actually not contributing to my health and wellness. And so when I can just acknowledge that and surrender to that and know that, you know, connection with myself is probably going to be the most important thing that I focus on because mm -hmm. it will trickle outward into the world in terms of how I'm showing up and connecting with others. I mean, honestly, I feel like that has been the most powerful thing I've done over any health thing I've ever done in my life is just how do I deepen that connection with self and connection with other as a whole, as a collective whole. I can't wait to see what future research reveals about the, 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 the energetic shift that can happen, like you mentioned before, and the impact on our physical health. Like, there's got to be some interesting science coming down the loop because we're starting to see um, how people who, like you said, are more mindful or spiritual or who integrate these practices into their physical health practices. Kind of anecdotally, we've heard these stories about, oh, you know, they recovered faster or whatever, but I cannot wait to see what the next decades bear out as far as actual research showing that connection. Because I think that has been the spirit and the mind has been like the ignored part of, of medical research for so long. And I just, I'm like excited to see what comes out in our kids' generation time, the actual scientific connection. There has to be one between the brain and mind and body. I mean, I, I really believe that the future is energy. Like that mm. is, I think the future is energy personally. So give me more, Katie, tell me more. Okay, go, go on that for a little bit. So like, we just look like, I think as human beings, it's our natural instinct to look outside of self to, to, to feel that worth and validation. And I think a lot of things in our culture create that environment and, and reinforce that system. And I think if you can go inward and find that deeper connection with self, so many things don't matter anymore. And, um, I, I, I personally believe it's changed my entire life just by saying, okay, wait a minute, what systems have you subscribed to? What actually served you? What is actually important in your life, right? And they, they have done studies on this where they've looked at people at the end of their life and they, it was not the career jump. It was not the big house. It was not the cars they drove. People at the end of their life have time and time again, all said the same thing. It was the connection with other human beings that really mattered at the end of the day. So if we know that, isn't it so funny that we chase all these other things? Like what, what, how funny it is to be a human, right? To know that and be like, well, it's okay. This, 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 you know, this life is this lifestyle or whatever that I'm being promoted is, is, is the best way. So 
I really think it comes down to the, the deepest connection that you can offer with yourself. And I think once you establish that, the connection and community that you, and communion that you can offer others is really a more fulfilling, sustainable, peaceful path. Oh, we're going to end on that because that was soothing to my soul to, to hear your <laughs> thoughts on that. And I, I wholeheartedly agree and um, with everything you said. So I know we've run out of time. Uh, Katie, thank you so much for spending some time with us, helping to promote a different way to approach our health. And so we know that the We Shape podcast is out there so we can search that. What other social media handles can we check out or websites as well? Yeah, I'd love to give your listeners a special link where they can get um, a two-week free tr- trial so they can check us out at weshape.com forward slash we got to talk for a two-week free trial we're on all social platforms we have the at we shape handle which focuses all on movement related content and then at we shape podcast which focuses on all these other topics we're talking around around the social and psychological impact of the, the the toxicity that comes with some of the fitness industry i love the work you're doing katie thank you so much for spending thank time you. with me today thank you so much thank you Thank you. And thank you guys. If you've been watching on video, thank you so much. If you've been listening, um, thank you. I, I am so grateful that Katie was able to come on, especially at this time in the podcast feed and offer what is a much, much needed sort of additional perspective on how to keep our bodies and our minds well. So as always, rate, review. I'm grateful for every single one of those. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you next week on We Gotta Talk with more good stuff. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Please leave a rating and review. Five-star ratings and reviews help a huge amount in getting this podcast out to people who might like it or find it useful. Thanks so much for your support of We Gotta Talk. Follow me on Instagram at Sunny Abada and check out our latest blog posts at wegotatalk.com slash blog.